This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, Elevate Church. Uh, My name is Levi. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am just so um, honored and thrilled uh, to be with you guys this morning. If you've been coming to Elevate Church for a little bit and we haven't met yet, I am so sorry. Normally it's because I'm next door hanging out with uh, the kiddos, uh, putting on our elementary service, and we have so much fun over there. Oh my goodness. Uh, so yeah, if you've got kids in elementary, you can feel uh, great knowing that they are learning about Jesus. They're having fun, and uh, now we have a really, really great time. Uh, but real quick, before I get started, I just want to pray. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Pastors Jeff and Jess are out of town on a well-deserved anniversary trip, and so let's just lift them up real quick. Cool? Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, as we approach this Thanksgiving season, God, we just take a moment to say thank you so much that we can do church, God, that we live in a nation uh, persecution-free, God, that we can be here, Lord, that we can do this um, just just totally free uh, to be in this house, God. And so we, that, is, that is an opportunity that we do not take lightly, that we do not take for granted, God. And so we just thank you for this morning and that we can come here and have church in a, in a garage, God. And uh, so, Jesus, we just lift up our pastors. We love them so much. We just pray blessing, uh, protection, and just honestly, just like a, a blissful weekend for them, God. And so, um, Lord, I just ask that you speak through me today, Jesus, that you would customize and tailor make every word that comes out of my mouth to affect and touch and heal the lives represented here today, God. We love you so, so much, so passionately. And we're so thankful for you and what you're doing in this church and what you're doing in our lives, Jesus, and we love you so much in your name. Amen. Amen, guys. Well, I have kind of an interesting, funny story for you, but I promise I'll wrap it all up. It's going somewhere, all right? So anybody that um, knows me pretty well, any one of my friends, I don't think anybody would describe me as, um, as an overly dramatic person, but about a month ago, I almost died. Okay, and here's the story about how I almost died. Um, a couple of things about me. I love roller coasters. Well, I did, actually. We'll, we'll see if I still do um, next time I go. But I love roller coasters, and then I also love Halloween. Now, before you stone me, okay, let me explain. Um, I just love, I love fall. Who doesn't? Come on. Um, I love, like, haunted houses. They're just exciting. It's all innocent. Okay, leave me alone. Um, but there is, there's one time a year where you can mix roller coasters and haunted houses at the same time, and it's called uh, King's Island's uh, Fear Fest or haunted ha- ha- Halloween Haunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I go religiously, okay? Uh, it is, it's next, it's on par with Christmas morning for me. I'm there, I force my friends to go, rain or shine, it doesn't matter, I'm in line. And so about a month ago, we, we go, and it's just, it's terrible weather, all right? It's 40 degrees outside, uh, it's rainy, it's just, it's just a nasty night, and there's not many people um, that are in line. And so it's about midnight. We had done some rides. We had done some roller coasters. And I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to do one more. And we're going to go to the one that's called Face Off. Now, for those of you that don't have King's Island memorized, 
Face Off is not a, a traditional roller coaster in the sense that you have a track below you and then you're like sitting in a cart that's on top of the track. No, I wish that was the case, okay? So instead, Face Off is one of those that the track is above you and you're in like this vest thing and there's nothing between you and certain death but thin air, okay? And that's, that's how this ride goes. Now, instead of launching you from, like, the station, where's Dave Spaniak at? Am I getting that right? The station? Yeah? Okay. He's our expert. Um, they pull you backwards and up, like a really steep hill. And uh, so because I'm not 12 and very light, uh, what happens is as they pull you back up, all of my body weight leaves the seat that I was comfortably sitting in and instead is just kind of hanging against the vest like everybody else on the ride. And so you're sitting there and your legs are dangling, your arms are dangling, and you're just in complete uh, suspension and all of your weight is against this vest and they're just hanging you up there as they're about to launch the ride. Well, about 30 seconds goes by, which doesn't seem like a long time, but when, you're, when you look down and people look that tall, it feels like a long time, okay? About 30 seconds goes by and they still haven't launched us. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, um, there's nobody else in line. Like, we jumped right in. The park's about to close. It's, it's the Halloween deal. They're probably just messing with us, acting like there's something wrong with the ride, okay? So I'm like, it's cool. Like, ha-ha, guys. Now go ahead and launch us, all right? Well, now about five minutes goes by, and I'm not kidding you. And again, I'm, I'm hanging there. I look over, and the Eiffel Tower is like eye level, all right? And, uh, <laughs> and I'm just, and the people are really small. I kid you not, all of a sudden, I hear like five Kings Island, like, staff trucks, like, like rip it into the area that we are at. Now, face-off is not in the middle of the park where um, you have a bunch of people around. It's like back almost in the woods, but not in the woods enough that if I fell, I could catch a tree like in the movies. Uh, I mean, it's just still concrete below, all right? Now, <laughs> about five minutes goes by, and these trucks pull up, and a bunch of guys in like the yellow rain staff coats get out, start running around. They look like mice scurrying. They've got flashlights. They're looking up at us. They're looking at each other. And that's when my brain starts to go, okay, either this is one of the most well-orchestrated pranks of all time, <laughs> or I'm actually about to die. And uh, <laughs> so this was, this was when my heart and my mind start um, – racing a little bit, you could say. And this is when I start to talk to Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, um, I don't know what's going on here. They seem very concerned, but I don't want it to end on a roller coaster. As fun as they are, like, I'm 24. I feel like I got some more things to do. There's a couple shows on Netflix that I want to finish. Like, please do not let me die here. And uh, so my brother is, is with me. He's in the cart across from me. And you know, you know in the movies when the good guy is, like, about to jump on the grenade and, like, save everybody, and he gives you that look like, it was nice knowing you, like, I'll see you on the other side? That's the look that, like, my brother gave me. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, like, we are just, uh, he thinks it's done. I think it's done. Like, it's a done deal. So then I'm not kidding you. 15, another 15 minutes goes by. They haven't said anything, which is the scariest part, because if they just would have come over the intercom and been like, hey, guys, this happens all the time. We'll get you down. I've been like, great, cool. But the fact that they were, like, dead silent, that's, that was the worst part. And then 
I hear over a walkie-talkie, the fire department's on its way. And I'm like, oh, heck no. I'm thinking to myself, like, they're going to have one of those big ladders and, like, the baskets, and they're going to have to, like, rescue me. But then I'm thinking, like, what if the fire department, like, doesn't expect me to be 200 pounds and I, like, slip through his hands and I, like, plummet? Or what if, like, the safety restraint button is, like, a one button releases everybody and they're working on the guy behind me? Like, my mind is just racing with every way that this can possibly, possibly go wrong. And when I heard fire department, that's when I was like, Jesus, just take me now. Like, I don't want, I don't want to, like, climb out of this into, like, a ladder it's just, no, like, not good. So then I started to get a little bit mad because I'm like, if I'm going to die here, why did I not eat more ice cream, like, when I was alive? Like, why did I ever say no to desserts? Like, why didn't I just get 400 pounds? And and then I was, like, thinking, like, why did I ever have a savings account? What good was that doing me? Like, why didn't I just spend all of my money? And these are the thoughts that are going through my head as I felt the end drawing near. So no joke, 30 minutes later, they had not said anything. Kirk was there. It's just a traumatizing. I wake up at night, just night sweats all the time. Not really. But uh, 30 minutes goes by. They still hadn't said anything. I'm just dangling there. I'm getting rained on. I'm losing circulation in all of my extremities. Um, it's just it's, it's, it's horrible. And finally, they come over the, uh, the intercom, and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry for the minor inconvenience. I'm like, minor? They're like, we'll get you. Sorry you've been up there for a little bit. I'm like, a little bit? And so finally, they, they roll us down. They get us to the ground. And I was low-key hoping, like, News Channel 7 was going to be there, like, with a mic in my face. I was kind of hoping, like, the president of Kings Island was going to be like, here's $10 million. Don't sue us. You know, like, that. none of that happened, unfortunately. But then... One of the one of the employees had the gall to literally say, "I am so jealous of you." I thought it would. I always wanted to get stuck on a roller coaster, and I would think it'd be so much fun. And I'm like, "Really, really? Is that is that what you thought? Because it's not fun. I would have gladly traded you spots." And it, it was just, it, it was horrible. I mean, half an hour, and and I I thought it was the end, and I'm up there just praying a lot and and asking all these questions and replaying my life. Would I have made anything, made any other different decisions? My phone was like strapped up against me under the like safety system. So I couldn't even call like anybody that I loved and tell them adios. Like it was just bad situation. Now, I'm going to pull this all together. I know what you're thinking. All right. Now, it's not every single day that most of us face life or death situations. I mean, it's, it's America. We live in such a wonderful country. And I know that isn't it funny how fear kind of kicks logic and truth out the window in the moment. It's funny because I know what a lot of you are thinking. I know when I told this story to Dave, who's a real guy, he was like, oh, you were fine. You were never in any danger. And I'm like, well, it didn't feel like it at all in the moment. But that's the truth. The truth is, is that these roller coasters are designed. Everybody who engineers them is so much smarter than I am. And they've got safety redundancies. And the truth was that I was going to make it down in one piece. But in the moment, fear took hold and logic and truth and what I knew to be true was just just evaporated, right? And that is what happens a lot of times to us. Now, I know you might be thinking, okay, fear is a, is a dramatic word. I don't face life-crippling fear on a daily basis. But I do think that we face a lot of the versions 
of fear on a daily basis. We, we do face worry and doubt and confusion. And, and so these are the things that a lot of us are fighting regularly. We're fighting lies about ourselves, um, versions of worrying about are we going to do all right. And so the thing is, is there's a reason why you and I face so many of these versions of fear, fear being the root of all of these things that we go through. And that's because we're going to take a look at, um, we're going to take a look at 1 John 4.18. In the English Standard Version, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You know, I think if, if you're a parent, it's, it's pretty easy to relate with, it, for, with this. We, you face fear for your kids every day. Are they, are they doing well in school? Are they, do they have good friends? Do they have good influences? Are they going to turn out all right? Are they going to get good jobs? Are they going to make it in this world? This worry, this stress is on our minds often. And you may say it's not like fear, but it is, it is worry in a big way. A lot of times we think about it, I, I, I struggle with this all the time, with finances. We go, am I going to, am I going to make enough? When I, get, when I get married someday, am I going to be able to provide enough? Am I going to be able to retire at a decent age? These are the questions that a lot of us find ourselves asking and dealing with and wrestling with daily. In, uh, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 in the Amplified, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind. I could have used this verse on top of the roller coaster. And self-control. So we know from these two verses that fear is the opposite of love. And if you know the word at all, if you spent any time in church, one of the most basic fundamental parts of Christianity is we believe that God's main strategy, his main goal, his main desire for you and I is love. Now, Pastor Jeff talks about this concept all the time that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's not a creator, but instead he's a perverter and a distorter of anything that God intends for you, anything that God is trying to direct towards you. So we know that if God's main strategy towards you is love, then we know that the main strategy of the enemy towards you is going to be fear. Has anybody ever met um, like a, a defeated Christian, like an Eeyore where they kind of, everything's bad all the time, and they just, it's, every time you check up on them, it's, it's always something, and it's always complainy, and they, they may say their day's going fine, but then they're like, oh yeah, I remembered, like, this is also bad in my life. I'm, I'm not negating or arguing the fact that, that those people may be going through real life struggles, but here's the key. Living in perpetual defeat is 100% contrary to what Jesus paid on the cross for you and I. Romans 8.15 in the New Living Translation says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him 
Abba, Father. And this is, this is one of the most powerful and pinnacle moments of the Bible, where God says that as soon as you, as soon as you acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, you are then stripped of your old identity and adopted into his family. And that Jesus paid for promises and blessings for you on the cross that you are now entitled to because of your new name, your new position in the world as an adopted son or adopted daughter of God. When you are consumed with fear, doubt, worry, and stress, it causes you to not live in the rights and the freedom and the power that you are owed and deserved as an adopted son or daughter of the Lord. It causes you to walk around defeated, which then causes you to be ineffective in the kingdom, and the devil has neutralized you on his own. And so what happens is if we can be drowned, God says we are adopted, but the enemy says here's the opposite of that. Instead of adoption, I'm going to dangle bondage and slavery in your life. And I am going to attempt and by our own fleshly desires, a lot of times we get caught up in situations that cause us to be bound and enslaved to negative situations, negative people, negative addictions, and all these things that will cause you to instead of operate as a son or daughter, to walk in power, to walk in freedom, you then, all you can see is your own junk right in front of you, and you voluntarily sit the bench in the kingdom of God because you don't feel entitled to the promises and the rights that you have. So truth says that I am adopted. Truth says that I am a son or a daughter of the creator of the universe, and his promises and his blessings are extended to you and me. But we see this common theme where God has a desire for you, but the enemy is going to try to frustrate you with the opposite. So instead of adoption, we see the introduction of bondage and slavery. And I know that sounds like really intense words, like I'm not a slave, I'm not living in bondage. But think about it this way. If you're struggling with thoughts of inadequacy, I will never be the husband that my wife deserves. I'll never be the mom that my kids deserve. I will never make it out of this job. I'll never be in a career field that I love. I'll never get out of debt. These are all lies and thoughts that are 100% the antithesis of what God has already spoken about you and that you have rights to. If you're struggling with sickness, it is 100% just because it is the opposite of what God says that you have the right to. By his stripes, Isaiah says that by his stripes we are healed. And when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just pay for our uh, spiritual salvation, but he pay, paid for our physical healing. And this is the amazing part. God says about you that you are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You will be the lender and not the borrower. And so we get into these patterns a lot of times in life where we're in a bad situation habitually. We're in a bad addiction. We have some lies going on in our head about ourselves. And it causes us to sit ourselves out of the game, to go, I'm not worthy. All I can see is my own junk. All I can see is my own shortcomings. And now 
I don't, I don't feel entitled. I don't feel right. I don't feel comfortable with approaching the Father. When the Word says that we're supposed to walk boldly, boldly into his throne room. You know what's kind of funny is um, when, I, when I was up there uh, in the roller coaster, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't take some time to cover my bases with the Lord and make sure that me and him were totally square. Like, and I was like, I'm up there and I'm like, Lord, on the way here, I was on 75 and I was going the speed limit, but that guy like passed me and flipped me off and I said some not nice things in the car. I just want to say I'm so sorry and if I could find him, I would buy him a steak dinner and like just to make sure that me and you are like totally cool. Or that one time in fourth grade with that new kid and I said that not so nice thing, like I am so sorry about that. And I was up there like trying to remember all these ridiculous things that I haven't talked to the Lord about, which is just insanity. And What's funny is that's because the fear in the moment was paralyzing, and I wasn't allowing the truth that says that God has separated me from my sins as far as the east is from the west. I was not living in that truth at that moment, that it is impossible. You are so far separated from your sin that it's impossible for God to look at you and see your sin at the same time. But I didn't, in the moment... It sure didn't feel like that. In the moment, I wanted to triple check that me and God were good. Also, truth says that he who started a good work in me will see it through to completion. Now, I'm not saying that I'm some five-star general in the Lord's army, but I do know that the world is getting darker and crazier, and the Lord needs his church. And I do know that God was not done with me at that moment at all. And I know that sounds silly and dramatic, and I'm half-joking because I was safe all along. But at the same time, all I could have remembered, all I could have told myself was, no, I'm, get, I'm getting down from this. God's not, he who started a good work in me will see it through. No matter what my situation looks like, no matter what fear says, no matter what I'm being paralyzed with and wrapped up in in the moment, God has truth and rights spoken about you and I that we are allowed and, if, and expected, expected to walk in. I think... <clears throat> I think Jesus paid for so much more on the cross than for us to walk around defeated all the time. I think he paid much, much too high a price for us to live in habitual fear, worry, doubt, frustration, confusion. Because he said that all of these promises are afforded to you as an adopted son. <clears throat> John 16:33. Jesus says to his disciples and he's speaking to his church as well. In this world you will have troubles. He literally warns us there will be good days and there will be bad days. But Take heart, for I have overcome the world. There is victory in me. The same power in Romans 8.11, the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you and I. You know what's interesting is um, when you go to Walmart and you're, you're checking out your stuff, um, 
there is not ever a five-year-old working behind the counter um, because that's not how it works here. A parent is a provider. A five-year-old, a 10-year-old doesn't have to go out and make it happen on his or her own. So one of the number one things that I struggle with is is the lies and the worry and the fear of am I going to be able to provide? Am I going to have enough? Am I going to be able to live healthy, comfortably, blessed? But God says, look at, look at the kids. They don't ever worry. Their parents take care of it. That's how I designed it to be. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have to work hard and we can freeload and God's just going to bless us. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, God is saying, I am your provider. You are adopted as my child. doesn't matter what your age is. And the best part about God providing is he doesn't just stop at providing financially. He says, I'm your provider of peace. I'm your provider of purpose. I'm your provider of joy. I'm your provider of rest and relaxation but I am a professional at looking to everything else in the world except for Jesus for those things. Uh, Worship team, you guys can come on up. And that's because in those moments, my flesh, my worries, my doubts displace the truth all the time, almost daily. That's because my worries my frustrations, my fears, just like on the roller coaster, kick to the side what I know God has said about you and I. This morning, I think, I think it's really, really important for us to identify in our lives, big or small, what are those things that we are living in bondage to? Is it, a, is it a bad influence? Is it a bad relationship? Is it a bad job? Is it a substance addiction? Is it, is it, it could be anything in the world. But what are those things that are keeping us from boldly approaching the throne room and living out all of the blessings and living out in all of the power that we have every right to? Everything we face in life is a distortion or perversion of what God has said that you and I are entitled to. It is the opposite of what he has spoken that we have rights to. So what are those things? I know for me, like I was talking about earlier, the number one fear in my life is, is, is financial and monetary and future thoughts of wondering, is it all gonna pan out in the end? And I know the word says that he's our provider, but there are moments in my life where it's just, it's hard to see that. And so I have a choice every day to go, am I going to let fear rule? Am I going to let fear decide? Am I going to let fear dictate? Or am I going to choose truth? And it has to be a choice. It's an active choice because you and I both know that in those fearful situations, emotions are powerful. That when I'm up on the roller coaster, I don't feel very confident in the Lord. I feel frightened. I feel worried. And that's the thing. 
is it has to be a proactive choice to say no, despite my circumstances, despite my questions, despite my worry, I will choose truth. I will choose what I have rights to. I will choose what I am afforded. We don't wanna walk around in life perpetually on these roller coaster moments where some days we got big faith and other days we're drowning. That is not the victory that God promised you and I at all. The story is pretty funny and I it, now looking back on it, I, I'm glad I survived, but also I thought, man, this would be perfect uh, for a message. And um, But I think God was really trying to show me something that I would like to think if you were to tell me that this situation were to happen ahead of time, I would like to think that I would have been up there calm, cool, tough, like oh, I'm fine, it's a roller coaster, we're going to get down, it's all good. But in this situation, I, I, I was definitely freaking out. And that's all because I have not practiced to the extent that I need. Jesus told us that we, our minds will be transformed, will be renewed. It's not an instant switch. Flipping this on, fighting your emotions, fighting your feelings, claiming truth, claiming your rights is not an instant switch that you can do in one day. It's about renewing your mind, transforming your mind, getting the word inside of you, getting faith inside of you, and allowing it to rise up and eventually come out to where you don't go, I'm not dealing with life this way anymore. I'm not putting up with these situations with more with these anymore. I am the head and not the tail because God has told me that that's what I am. So yeah, identifying, identifying these things. Big or small. I know a lot of times we walk around and go, man, I know, I know who I am and God, I know my rights. I know that I am adopted and, and we can walk around kind of with a big chest sometimes, but still be drowning inside and not let anybody else know about it. But that's not God's best. That's not God's plan. That's not what he died for. And so this morning, I just want to pray. I just want to lift up our congregation. I want to speak life over these situations, truth over these situations and watch God work. And a lot of times it's not an instant switch, but God is going to bring up that faith. He's going to rise up that faith. He's going to rise up that truth in you. So let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for this opportunity. Thank you so much that we can come here, Lord. But right now, God, I just speak. I speak to the doubts, God. I speak to the lies. I speak to the broken identities. I speak to the addictions. And I say that they are broken in Jesus' name, that you paid so much more on the cross than for us to live in perpetual defeat. You are owed, you are owed our victory, Jesus. You are owed us overcoming, God. You said that we will be more than conquerors, God, and I just speak I speak your promises. I speak your wishes over these snares in our life that cause us to live in bondage, that cause us to live in fear. We break the devil's lies. We break the enemy's hold 
right now over areas of our life, big or small, whether we know they exist or whether we've not even thought about them. And Jesus, we know that sometimes this stuff takes time in our head and that's okay. But we know that ultimately the victory is yours. Ultimately, we move forward. Ultimately, you get the glory. Ultimately, we live in the victory that you promised us. And we will not short you another moment that we will live out the life that you intended for us. We will live out the blessing that you paid for us. We will live out the healing that your stripes on, the, on your back took for us, God. And we will move forward as a church, Jesus. We will move forward to take more ground in Cincinnati. No more defeated Christians, Father God. And when other people are wondering, Jesus, what has gotten into the people at Elevate Church, we will say the life and the victory that has already been paid for us. And Jesus, we just thank you so much for it right now. We love you dearly. We are so grateful for your unending, undeserved, everlasting grace. And thank you that you are the God of a thousand chances. Thank you for your adoption. Thank you for replacing our old name with the new one. And thank you for all the benefits that come with being a son or daughter, even though we really don't deserve them. Jesus, we love you so much, God. We love you so much. We praise, we praise your holy name in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a Sunday service or at a dinner party on Friday night. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.